Let us rejoice and be glad in it.
guys can have a seat. Here at First Church, we are one church with many campuses, so we've started to do our announcements in video form, so if you guys would uh, turn your attention to the screen, let's check out this video. Good morning, First Church, and welcome to The Pulse. My name is Crystal Colt. The Pulse is the place that you'll learn about some great ways to get involved around here at First Church. If you joined us on Easter Sunday, you probably heard about Route 66, a great way to start digesting the Bible. So starting next week in just three Wednesday night classes at the St. Joe campus, we're going to go through all 66 books of the Bible and learn at how they're all connected. If you're interested in taking Route 66, stop by the Info Hub after service today or visit our online Info Hub at myfirstchurch.com. Join us on April 17th for a night of worship at the Stevensville campus. That night, we're going to come together, all three First Church campuses, to celebrate being that church, a church that boldly stands for Jesus and asks Him for direction. Mark your calendars. That's April 17th, 6 p.m. at the Stevensville campus. Thanks for watching The Pulse, and we'll see you next week. Well, welcome. My name is Chris, and I am the missions director here at First Church. Um, for those of you joining us on our online campus today, a special welcome to you. Uh, if you are new here with us, we would love to connect with you. Um, as you heard Dan say, uh, we are one church, but we have three campuses. And uh, actually in this space, we have two venues. And so it can be a little intimidating as a new person to come here and say, man, how am I going to get connected? I know there's a lot going on, uh, and I want to get plugged in, but how do I do that? How, how do I take that next step? Well, what we've done is we've divided each worship space up into what we call section communities. And so this is a section over here, this is section 201, section 202, and section 203. And each of these sections has a section leader, or a few section leaders, they've got the gray lanyards on. They would love to connect with you if you're new, and they would love to tell you a little bit more about who we are and what we're about here at First Church, and help you figure out the next steps to take. Um, now we're going to move into the time of the service where we... Uh, take some time and give back to God, kind of what he's given to us. So if our ushers would please prepare to come forward and take the offering. Um, you know, giving is just such a great way for us to really recognize that um, everything we have is not ours. And I'm not just talking about finances, but in terms of our time, our talents, and our resources. And so one way that we really like to give back here at First Church is through service. Uh, many of you know we've been very involved in the community through Do Something, and this year we're trying something new, which we're calling Love Barian. And uh, we're doing Love Barian throughout the entire year. Instead of just doing one day of service, we're going to be doing multiple days of service. And so actually, right now in the works is a Love Barian service project for all three sections in this space. So be on the lookout for those opportunities that you can go out in the community and show God's love in a real and tangible way. Uh, so let us pray for the offering. And we'll move on. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for uh, this opportunity to come together and to worship you and for this community and for this space where we can um, just come and worship you and to be filled up. And so, God, I pray that uh, you would open our minds and uh, our hearts to what it is that you have to say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen.
Your glory, God, is what our 
Thank you, God, for this moment of worship. Thank you for your glory. Thank you that everything that we do, every breath that we take can be for your glory. We love you. Thank you for meeting us here. Amen. Good morning. David Culp is not here today. He is in Stevensville. We did a little switcheroo. If you don't know me, I'm Chris Spitters. I'm the campus pastor in Stevens at our Stevensville campus. And um, David Culp is there today, so I get to be here sharing with you and with all our people online who are probably sitting around the pool enjoying a drink while they, you know, watch the service today. And we just want to say that we don't like you. But it is, we want you to know, you online people in Florida, that it's 70 and sunny here today, right? <laughs> so, you're missing out. <laughs> um, so a couple weeks ago, uh, Kevin announced to you, uh, if you were here, that um, I am transitioning out of student ministry and into full-time as a campus pastor. And I'm glad I'm here today because I just want a chance to share my heart with you on that. Um, you know, it's been, I've been a youth pastor for over 30 years, and so it feels like a bit of an identity crisis, you know, to be, uh, um, what am I if I'm not a youth pastor now? It's kind of weird. Um, I love kids. That's why um, I've been a youth pastor for so long. Um, some of you have congratulated me on this, like, promotion or something, but, like, you need to know, in, among youth pastors, when somebody quits being a youth pastor to be a you know, pastor at church, it's like a demotion. <laughs> and, um, but it's actually uh, a bittersweet thing. Um, Candy and I have had a heart for kids for so long, and we still do, and we still want to find ways to be involved. And we, I, I really, we just want to take a chance to say thank you to this amazing congregation. For 26 years, I've been your youth pastor, and you have been supporting and believing in, in teenagers and resourcing our ministry. And I have partnered with incredible volunteers. And it's been an amazing run. And so I just thank you. You're an awesome congregation. Keep your heart for teens um, because it's such a critical time. Uh, my heart will always be with kids even though we are moving into a new season. So I just wanted to say thank you for that. Um, we are... Starting an exciting series today, uh, it's called That Church, and um, it's about, you know, that church that is an awesome church, that church that, you know, people recommend you visit when you're new in town, that church where there's exciting things going on, where they're impacting the community and, and doing wonderful things. Our staff went to that church, one of those. In North Carolina, uh, Elevation Church, maybe you've heard of it, Jim Furtick is the pastor there, and they put on this conference for, for pastors from all over the country to come and, you know, really learn some things about, you know, what makes, what can make our church more dynamic, better, just move forward uh, in the kingdom, and it's been awesome. So we want to be that church, just like if you wanted to be a great basketball player, uh, you know, you, you know the old Gatorade slogan, be like be like Mike because, you know, best, best basketball player ever. You want to be like that player 
or if you're a Bears fan, uh, you know, you want to be like that 1985 team, right? Like, can't we have a team like that again? Like the 1985 Bears. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. Or if you're a Lions fan, you know, you, well, <laughs> I actually Googled uh, best Lions team ever. You want to know what came up? Some soccer team in England. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Check that out. Google it yourself sometime. Um, we want to be that church. We don't want to be the church that's known as the country club church, which in the past I've heard that about us. I've heard someone talk about us that way. Or that politically minded church that only accepts views that are a certain way instead of receiving everybody. We don't want to be that church. We want to be that church. And what that church really, the best description of it is right in the book of Acts. So we're going to jump in and um, throughout you know, this next series, we're going to be looking at the book of Acts, which is basically the story of how the church began. And that church has so many amazing qualities about it, we can, um, we can acquire for ourselves as well. So let's start right out. Acts chapter 1. Verse 1, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Okay, so former book, there was book one and this is book two. So this is kind of the, you know, the beginning of book two when you, in case someone didn't read book one, you just give them a little bit. This is kind of what's going on here. Uh, it's the transition from, from book one to book two. Um, so this is Luke writing. He wrote the Gospel of Luke. Um, and now he writes um, about the Acts of the Apostles. Um, we see that he talks about the suffering uh, of Jesus, um, which is the crucifixion that we looked at last week in the book of Luke, chapter 24, as well as convincing proofs that he is alive. We talked about the resurrection last week. And so this is totally like helping us transition from the end of Luke to the beginning of the church and what happens as the kingdom of God comes through the church. This is a growing kingdom. It's on the move. It's about to burst. There's anticipation here. There's like, this church is going to explode with growth, and you would expect Jesus to give this great pep talk. Um, but here's what he says. He gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, um, in verse 4, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, wait. But there's this really exciting thing we're going to do. Yeah, just wait. Pause. Take a breath and wait. Jesus wasn't after just any old movement because some activity is actually just wasted energy. Some of us are too active in the wrong ways. Do you know what I'm talking about? Some churches are too active in the wrong ways. So Jesus wants a church that's going to be on the move, a church that's moving. That church is moving, but it's moving in the right direction, in the right ways, 
at the right time. And in order to assure us ourselves of that, we need to stop and wait, take a breath. Let's not jump out ahead of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is saying. Is God calling you to wait? Just to stop and slow down and pause? To seek the Lord? To be still? Why would God have us be still when there's so much to do? How is God calling us as a church to wait? Just to slow down and take a look at where we're going. What if I said nothing more the rest of the morning and I just said, you know, we're just going to wait on the Lord. <laughs> just listen. And that silence is awkward. <laughs> that silence is awkward because we're used to moving and doing and being active. But Jesus says here, before we begin to be a church that moves, that church that moves needs to stop and wait and listen. Why do we wait? Not because we're lazy. It's because we're waiting for God to say, go. <laughs> we wait for the empowering of the Holy Spirit. We seek God to make sure that what we're attempting is not just our lame human effort, <laughs> but that it's actually under the power of the Holy Spirit that we are moving, the Spirit moving in us and through us as we go. How do we wait? When we're still and we're seeking and we're waiting, what is our posture? It's a posture of anticipation. It's like, I can't wait to go. It's like a racehorse in the, in the gate waiting for the bell. It's like a player, like one of those final four teams, you know. It's like the pay player, the sixth man on the bench. He's got his, you know, stuff off. He's all stretched. He's ready to go. He's sitting on the edge of the bench waiting for the coach to call his name. I want to get in. I'm waiting, but I'm ready to go. That's how the disciples were in this moment. We see that right here in the next verse, verse 6. They gathered around him and asked. They gathered around. Lord, are you at that time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? It's, 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 you get this picture of like a basketball team huddled around their coach. All right, are we going to put it into action now? What are we going to do, coach? What's the next move? Now, Jesus had been telling them about the kingdom, and we see here that, uh, you know, they're asking, Lord, is this, are we going to restore the kingdom now? Are we ready to go? They were excited to usher in the kingdom. They had the right idea. Restoring the kingdom is super important. It's a priority for us as a church to restore the kingdom. They wanted to be part of restoring God's ideal, his perfect heavenly kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. They were all about that. But they also didn't quite get it. Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. In verse 6. Hold up, guys. He says, I'm the coach. I'll give you the game plan at the right time. You don't get the full picture like I do. You don't really fully understand what this kingdom is about. This is not just a physical kingdom. It's not like a military effort. It's not the kind of kingdom that people imagined. It's, it's a spiritual kingdom. We're building a spiritual kingdom. We're restoring broken people, spiritually broken people. God's kingdom coming to earth certainly involves 
some real physical activity. The coming of God kingdoms means, means that hurting people are healed, that lost people are found, that poor people are empowered, that enslaved people are freed. There are physical manifestations of God's kingdom coming for sure. But God's kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. And it will take the Holy Spirit moving and working within us to usher in the spiritual kingdom. Eventually they got it when the Holy Spirit came on them in chapter 2 of Acts. They started to understand what the Spirit was about. The book of Acts is so exciting. I'm I'm really excited for us to read through this and, and, and see what this church has to offer us today and how we can become more like that church. You can't build a spiritual kingdom without the Holy Spirit. So Jesus goes on in verse 8 to lay down some things that are really important. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So that church will be a church of power. You will receive power. You, we, we see it all through the book of Acts. Many miracles, signs, wonders. This focus on the Holy Spirit is a strong theme all the way through the book of Acts. Without the Spirit, there's no power. The Holy Spirit is the source of power that we have. Everything will change when the Holy Spirit comes upon the church. Everything changes. We sing that song, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. That is such an awesome attitude, and I felt God's presence. But sometimes we can get the feeling that the Holy Spirit is here just to make us feel good about ourselves, and it's so wonderful to be in the Lord's presence. The Holy Spirit is not just about that. The Holy Spirit is here to give us power to help us accomplish something amazing. That church is a church that experiences power, that experiences the Holy Spirit moving in miraculous ways among us. That's what was going on in the first church. That's what needs to happen in this first church. But there's a reason for it. God's not going to anoint his people with the Spirit just to give them this warm, fuzzy feeling. There's a reason for the Spirit, and the Spirit is given to empower us to do something. And what is that? Jesus is telling his leadership team here, he's pulling them together, and he's telling them, you will be empowered and filled to accomplish a mission, to begin a movement. The church will be my witness to the world. And that's what Jesus is really getting in here. I'm giving you this great goal, Jesus says. I want everyone to know this good news. You have witnessed something amazing. You know the truth that I died on a cross, that I rose from the dead. You know this story, and now it's up to you to take this amazing good news to the whole world. You will be my witnesses. So he says, okay, huddle up, everybody. Everybody come around. And, he, and the whole team, you guys on the bench, come on, stand up here with the starters. Everybody gather around. Jesus pulls out his whiteboard, his marker, and he's like, okay, we're going to start here. Right here in Jerusalem, X mark, circle. All right, we're going to make Jerusalem strong. We're, this is going to be the center of this church that we're starting here. We're going to work hard. We're going to get, now once we get this right, 
We're going to branch out into Samaria and Judea. And someone probably said, what? Wait, we don't have, there's not enough. Our team is too small. Don't worry, Jesus says. You know, we're, we're going to get there. We're going to grow. We'll have enough players. So, so Peter, you're going to set a pick for Philip. He's going to head up to Samaria. We're going to get things going up there. It's going to be awesome. Well, okay. And then, after that, after we get established there, then we're going to go out this way and this way and this way and this way. We're going to go out into the entire world. What? What? Where? The entire world. To the ends of the earth. Oh, Jesus. Come on, coach. <laughs> really? Can we do that? Jesus is like, hey, I've got a plan. I'm out. I'm recruiting this new guy. He's named Saul. I'm going to Damon Paul, he's going to help us with this. It's going to be awesome. Um, Jesus calls and huddles his team together and comes up with, and he lays out this plan. Here's how it's going to work. Here's how the church is going to move from the center out, starting in Jerusalem, out to Judea and Samaria, then to the ends of the earth. The church is moving, growing, expanding. Now, in Luke 24, last week we read this, and and you see in Luke 24, there's probably about 20, maybe 25, maybe 30. It's not real specific, but you get the feeling that it's like the 12 disciples and then Mary and Martha and some of those guys and a few other people. So it's maybe like oh, 20, 25 people that are like serious, all in with Jesus. And he spends those 40 days with them. And it says here in Acts 1.15, in those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120 so the group had swe- it swelled from 25 to 120. And so the church is already growing. And then in the next chapter, the Holy Spirit is poured out on them, and suddenly they have the power of the Holy Spirit working in them and moving through them in ways they had never known before. And suddenly, like 3,000 people in one day. Look at this, Acts 2.41. Those who accepted the message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Because Peter shared the story with the crowds, and 3,000 people responded. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine? We can't pack 3,000 people in here, guys. <laughs> We'd be lucky to like, get them on the property. Uh, 3,000 people in one day. This phenomenal growth was not just a one-time event, because every day this church, every day this church was out telling the gospel story, telling this truth that they had witnessed, and now they're being witnesses, and they're going out, and they're saying every day, in Acts 2.47, the Lord added to their number, how often? Daily. Those who were being saved. That church was on the move, growing in and growing out and going out and making a difference all around them following through on what Jesus had called them to do, bringing the gospel to the people of Jerusalem. Many, in, in Acts 4.4, many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. You see what's happening? Just in the first four chapters of Acts, we see this church beginning to move and grow and expand. Imagine being a part of that kind of, that excitement. Imagine being a part of that. Wow, I mean, it's just incredible that Jesus laid out the strategy and, and it started to happen. But it hadn't really been fulfilled yet because they were still in Jerusalem. All this that we just read, it's still growth that's happening just in the city of Jerusalem. But that would change shortly because the church was coming up against great opposition. Uh, Jewish leaders were hassling them 
arresting them, throwing them in, in prison, um, coming up against the church. And then we read eventually in Acts that Stephen was stoned to death. Stephen, one of their strongest leaders. And after that, a great persecution broke out. We read about it in Acts 8. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered. Where? Where were they scattered? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Judea and Samaria. <laughs> yeah. The very places that Jesus said you guys are going to go. The very place he wrote on the whiteboard and said, now we're going to go here and here. And now it's happening. And what caused it to happen? Something terrible. Something really hard. Something that was so upsetting. It was persecution that ignited the expansion of the church. Isn't it interesting that even still today, oftentimes the greatest areas of growth for the church are in areas where there's persecution. China is probably going to soon become the largest Christian community in the world. And that is amazing because people are persecuted there. Did you know that more people have died for their faith in the last hundred years than in 2,000 years before it? There is persecution in the church today, and, and, and the church is thriving and growing in those places. I recall being a kid and, you know, having a pain in my knee or my leg or something, and I'd, you know, go to my mom and like, Mom, my leg hurts. And she'd say, it's okay, honey. It's just growing pains. What? It hurts to grow? <laughs> oh, growth equals pain? And why would we think that our real life, everyday experiences would be any different? Am I willing to risk pain or persecution to grow? Am I willing to risk pain or persecution to be part of this amazing group of people that Jesus has called to give this mission to, to grow the church? What might that pain look like for me? What could that persecution look like for me at school, at work, wherever I happen to be? If I really go out and tell this story and be a witness for Jesus, what kind of persecution might I experience? Am I willing to do that? So we see the church was moving forward. It was growing, but it still had a long ways to go. Jesus said to the ends of the earth, right? Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. To accomplish that would require a huge earth-shattering change. It would mean taking their faith beyond Judaism to non-Jewish people. And that was unthinkable. That was so far outside the box for these Jewish people. Incredibly difficult hurdle. I mean, it's hard for us to even get inside the life of a Jew of that time to understand the enormity of this paradigm shift that they had to go through. What? We're God's people. We're God's chosen ones. Those heathens? We can offer this amazing gift of Jesus to them? Yes, yes. And God brought in a specialist. His name was Saul. 
changed it to Paul. We'll talk more about him later in this series. But uh, Paul played a huge part in helping to take the church beyond that barrier. And, and so through Paul's leadership, the, the church moved forward. Geographic boundaries were crossed. Racial and ethnic barriers were demolished. And the gospel message was taken to the ends of the earth. And we wouldn't be here today if that change had not occurred. Think about some of the boundaries we have crossed as a church. Think about some of the barriers that we have had to knock down to move forward and to grow and to be the people that God has called us to be. It's pretty exciting to think about. And what still is ahead of us? Are there still barriers for us to cross through and work through and tear down? Now, this forward movement that began with Jesus and a few followers expanded out to the world, and it still continues today. There are now over 2,300 million Christians in the world today. Since 1970, there have been 1 billion new believers in Jesus. Man, that's pretty amazing. The church is really growing, and it all started when Jesus gathered a few guys together, and he looked them right in the eye, and he said, go. Go make disciples. And Jesus trusted them to do it. Jesus said that, and that was one of the last things he said before he left his disciples. And he left, and the Holy Spirit came, and they did it. They went out, and they began to go and make disciples. Now, Jesus clearly called the church to action to that forward motion. But he had already been using that word go often. He had been getting them ready to be people who go. Um, in fact, there, let's just look through some of them. Um, quite a few times Jesus teaches people to go. In Luke 7, Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. In Luke 10, Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. Mark 2, I tell you, get up. Take your mat and go. If someone forces you to go one mile, hey, go with them for two miles. Go now and leave your life of sin. Go and learn what this means. Jesus sent them out with the following instructions. Go to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. Go, I am sending you out like Lambs among wolves. Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go. Don't just go yourself, but go and tell others to go as well. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Wow. Go love. Go live. Go serve. Go give. Go tell. Go teach. Go proclaim. Go preach. Go reach. Go feel. Go help. Go heal. Go invest. Go invite. Go restore. Go make right what is wrong in this world. Go and be that church. Amen? Yeah, that's what Jesus is telling us to do. We have a God of go. <laughs> Jesus calls us to be a people of go. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be the church that goes, to be that church. 
Now, of all the messages of go, there's one that really stuck out to me this week as I spent some time in these verses. Matthew 22, 9. We already read it. I want to come back to it for a moment. Uh, go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. Go. Be people of invitation. Go invite people. Where do you go? The street corners. We tend to say, um, hey, why don't you guys come to the corner of Botham and Niles? Or come to our Stevensville um, campus or come to our Benton Heights campus. And Jesus is like, no, you go. <laughs> you go to the street corners. What are the street corners? That's where life is lived. That's where our community is. That's where people are. Go there. Go to them. Don't hide in the church. Go out and be the church in the street corners. Who do I tell? Who do I tell this story to? It says anyone. Anyone. Not just people I'm comfortable with. Not just people who are easy. But anyone. Anyone who Jesus brings into our life. Any opportunity we have to tell this amazing story. This Acts church was seeing people come to Jesus every day. It's amazing to think about. The people must have been so excited about what Jesus did for them. He died on the cross for me. He paid the price for my sin. He rose up from death to life. He has given us life. I can't wait to tell people about it. It's a great story to tell, and we can tell it. It's easy to tell a good story. Um, I told a really good story a couple days ago. Um, now, Candy and I live out in the country now, and a friend came over uh, with a trap and helped me trapped this animal that was doing some destruction on our property and so we trapped this raccoon so I took a picture of the raccoon and I sent it to all my kids and it was fun it was fun to tell them about this raccoon the story gets even better the next morning I sent them a text oh my gosh I got attacked by the raccoon it bit me twice on the arm one of them's going to need stitches I'm on my way to the hospital it was April Fool's it was a good story it was not a true story, but it was a good story. It was, it's easy to tell a good story. With Jesus, we have a good story, and it's also true. <laughs> we can tell this story. We can do that. We can tell the story. We can't play it safe and just keep the story to ourselves. When we look at the church in Acts, they were moved. They were telling this story. They, they went through amazing hurdles to get the story out to all the world so that we could be here today and know Jesus. What if Je uh, Jesus was only for Jews? What if they had never gotten past Jerusalem? We cannot allow boundaries to keep us from getting the story of Jesus out where it needs to be. Uh, but it's not my spiritual gift. I really don't have the spiritual gift of evangelism. I've heard people say that. You know what? You have amazing gifts and abilities that you have never discovered yet. I think you can do this. I, I discovered a spiritual gift myself. Well, actually, Candy helped me uh, discover it. In the middle of the night, she was so excited about this, she woke me up in the middle of the night and to share with me my spiritual gift. It's like, honey, do you know that you can hiccup and snore at the same time? It just couldn't wait till morning. She was so excited to tell me. I had no idea I could do that. Think about it. It's kind of tricky. 
I ended up sleeping on the couch. <laughs> 32 years of marriage, I've never slept on the couch over a fight. But because of this new amazing gift I have, <laughs> I slept on the couch. Hey, I had no idea I could do that. You know what? You have no idea some of the things you can do. If you're sitting here today thinking, I don't know how I would tell people the story. I don't know how I would do this. You can do it. You can do it. It's a good story to tell. It's an exciting story to tell. It's a life-changing story to tell. We need to tell it. We need to reach out, and we need to restore people. We need to restore the brokenness in people. Now, Luke tells this same story um, about going out and inviting people to the banquet, Um, except he adds a little bit more detail. Um, In Matthew, he just says, go tell anyone. Luke tells us who the anyone is. Let's take a look at it. It's Luke 14. It's not on the screen. Just listen. Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. See, Jesus had a heart for broken people. Jesus had a heart to help people heal who had broken hearts, who were spiritually broken, who were physically broken. And the peop- there's people out there, there's people all around us who are spiritually broken, who are f- in some way physically broken. And they need us to reach out and to restore God's ideal in them. And we can do that. If you guys would come up and maybe get ready for um, so another worship song, that'd be awesome while I, while I tell you a story. Thanks, Laura. Um, I just want to close with this, with this story. Um, on Monday morning, I'm meeting with some guys to pray, and I prayed a really kind of a funny prayer. I don't know why I prayed it, but I just did. And um, it, basically, I said, God, interrupt me. Um, give me divine interruption today this week and we're meeting on Monday to pray so that we can pray about the whole week and my attitude was like God I I want you to interrupt me at any time this week to do what you want to do in me and through me so and then I just kind of forgot about it and then Wednesday night we're at D groups and Brian shared a, a message that really touched somebody's heart and and so this young guy got up uh, right before I was standing up to send everybody out to their small groups, because that was the plan. And he comes up and says, can I share something? And I'm like, okay, interruption. And he took the mic and he shared, and he said, three years ago, my dad died. Shortly after that, my aunt died. Shortly after that, someone else close to him passed away. By then, he started sobbing. And he was just so broken. But I was so proud of him for sharing. He just felt like he needed, he needed to share it. Over 100 people there that night, we all just gathered around him, put our hand on him or came in close, and we prayed over him. And I know he's still hurting. That's, a, that's incredibly difficult to go through. But I feel like in that moment, his heart began to heal. And I feel like God was so pleased because God wants to heal broken hearts. God wants to restore broken people. And because of his courage, then we opened it up to anyone else. And for the next half hour, 
kids shared their hurts and their struggles and we prayed over each other and we never did get into small groups. God interrupted us in that moment and said, the Holy Spirit said, you know what? We got a different idea of what's going to happen here. There's some kids that need their hearts restored. There's brokenness that needs to begin to be healed. And, and, and so God had his way in that moment. And tonight, tonight, right now, I'm sure there are people who are hurting here. And the Holy Spirit wants to do the same. He wants to work in us. He wants to begin to heal our brokenness. And outside of this room, on the street corners, there are so many who need this amazing story that we have. Can we go from here committed to having God work through us, through His Holy Spirit, through the power that He gives us, the courage that He gives us, to move out from this place and be that church on the move, that church that is growing, that is sharing this story, that is bringing healing, that is reaching out and restoring with this story of what Jesus did for us what Jesus did for me and our willingness to be a witness to that we offer up ourselves today to be a witness to the world to take this amazing story to reach out to restore oh, if you're with me on that let's stand together as a church Let's worship this Jesus and let's offer up, let's offer up all we are to Him.
restore broken hearts. Lord, thank you for this church that we're a part of. This is an exciting church. We'd love to be a part of this church. We want to see this church continue to grow and move in the directions that you are calling us. We desire to see more, God, more of you people coming to know you, more broken lives restored. And we offer ourselves to you to be part of it, God. God bless you, and may we be a church that is moving, that is reaching out and restoring lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. Go in peace.